When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Start off with where we left off with budgeting and budgeting. I, I think is budgeting is extremely underrated when it comes to financial planning for, for individuals. I always say, like, if you look at a corporation, um, budgeting is like the major thing that they do. Like, you know, I mean, like, Apple knows every dollar that comes in and comes out. Like, they pay accountants millions of dollars, they have a whole team of accountants to, to keep track of the books. And budgeting is like that's everything, budgeting is everything. But it's like most entrepreneurs and most regular people that just have jobs have no idea of the budget like they don't have any idea of how much money comes in they have no idea of how much money goes out they're just winging it and um just you know spending money whenever you know they need to and the money comes in and it just goes into their bank and that's kind of like how most people run not only their business but their life mm -hmm. so budgeting budgeting 101 right for somebody that has never budgeted before um but mm -hmm. they first and foremost why why is budgeting essential and then we'll go into like some different hacks that can help people to to get better with budgeting so budgeting is essential because it is a physical picture of what your money is doing right so if you have kids and you're in the other room and your two-year-old is quiet you're like wait what the hell are they breaking because you know they can get <laughs> cutting up putting a you know putting a knife enough in the socket whatever you know and so um, it's the same thing with your money. Like you, you have to be on top of your money. I would say like your money is like a bad two-year-old. Like if you leave it to its own devices, it's going to be breaking shit up. I can curse. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you want to be on it when it comes to your money and, and be present. You're, you are the adult. You decide what your money does. And so that's what a budget allows you to do. It allows you to be the adult of your, of your life. And so it's a, it's important, you know, I don't care how much money you make, you can outspend like great wealth. There are people who have been millionaires and even billionaires and have been left penniless. So I think sometimes people think like, well, if I had $10 million, was like, uh -uh, MC Hammer. Okay. But some of y'all, you're like, who's that? Okay. Uh, Tony Braxton, right? Allen Iverson. So many people have outspent their wealth. It is more than possible. So what kind of, all right. So. What are the different strategies for budgeting, right? Like if somebody, okay, I realize the budgeting is important. I want to do it. So how do I go about it? Is it a spreadsheet, software? Like, is there formulas that you should use? Because some people say like your housing should only be like 20 or 30% of your total budget. So yeah, what's your, what's your philosophy as far as like the one-on-one, -on -one, the person realized they need to budget. Now they actually want to start a budget. So let's just start super, super easy because I mean, yes, I use a spreadsheet, all that stuff, but most people are not going to do that to start. It's the difference between I want to lose some weight. And so tomorrow you're like, you're going to run, you know, 10 miles. You're not going to run 10 miles. You might the first day and then the second day you're going to go back to the couch. So I want you to start off walking. So for someone who's like, I don't budget, I never stuck to a budget. First things first is start with having separate bank accounts, mm -hmm. right? So. I believe in having a bills account to pay your bills and having a spend account to spend from. Your bills account should not have a debit card attached to it. You, that's A debit card is a choice. I don't think people realize that. The bank issues you a debit card, but you could be like, nah, I'm good. So my bills account does not have a debit card. My spend account, it's both of these are checking accounts at the same bank, has a debit card. And then you want at least one savings account, not at that bank. 
So you want at least one savings account at an online only bank. And so what it looks like is that your money comes in, some of it goes into your, 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 I like to call it my deposit account slash your spend account. So that's where your money lands. Some of it goes into your bills account to pay bills and you know how much should go into your bills account by what bills are, are due. And then some of it goes into your savings. So in the beginning, you're not going to have the math perfect. You might just be like, I don't care if it's $10 goes into your savings. When I was at my brokers, I was literally transferring $2, you know, just to continue, just to have the habit of savings. You never, you never want to get out of the habit of putting something away in your savings account. That's important. So what I did for my husband, for example, he's not going to sit down and spreadsheet. That's just not happening. He's like, what? Break city? Nope. <laughs> so what we do instead now is we budget for him anyway, because I like a spreadsheet. We budget before his money even gets there. I said, babe, go to HR. Here's what you're going to tell them. Hey, before you give me my money, some of it goes into his retirement account. Check. Some of it goes into his into his spend account, that deposit account where things are deposited, right? Check like his direct deposit account, right? Some of it goes into our joint bills account, check. Some goes into his personal savings, check. And some goes into our joint savings. So he basically, his budget is done automatically through HR. So it lands and all he has to think about is when it comes to his personal savings, whatever you want to do with that, that's your business. As Tabitha would say, the vegan, vegan chef that everybody loves right now, that's your business. Right. And um, it also all he has to worry about, too, is his basically his allowance in his deposit account, in his spending account. So whatever's in his spending account, if I see my husband with some new J's on back in the day, I used to be like, oh, that's what we're doing. <laughs> we buying Jordans with the bread money. Yeah, now it's not yeah. my business no more. Right. Because I know one thing, he didn't take it from the bills account. He didn't take it from our joint savings. So if he took it from his personal savings or his spending account, that's fine. And so, like, if you don't know how to do anything else, if you just have at least those three um, accounts and have your money automatically split from well, really four, because you want to have a retirement account and have your money split from work then you will be ahead of the game. And so for people who want to go a little bit deeper for me, you know, like I, like I said, I like to have a spreadsheet. I like to know how much we're spending on, on, um, on groceries, how much we're spending on gas. So I keep track of that. I just, the tool I like to use best is just Excel. So I like to keep track of that there, but you don't necessarily have to, you set aside a, you know, an allowance for yourself. Um, typically things are led by bills. So if ideally you want to be setting aside 12 to 15% for your retirement. And you probably are saying like, I can't afford to lose 12 to 15% of my pay. Well, then start with 1% and every six months you boost it up. Start with a half a percent and every six months you boost it up. Start with something toward retirement. And then your bills, I like to do bills every two weeks. So the money I have transferred to the bills account, you ask yourself, okay, how much are my bills from the first to the 15th? And how much are my bills from the 15th to the 30th? And that's how you know how much should be going into the bills account, you know? So it might be, or you might just have a select number. You might say, well, my bills are around $3,000 a month. So every paycheck or every pay period, my, my biweekly um, or my bimonthly pay period, $1,500 is going to go into my bills account. And having your bills account pay bills automatically for you is really going to be like clutch. Like I, I don't pay bills, bills pay themselves. So it lands in my bills account and it are, my bills already know pay my, um, pay the electric bill, pay the water bill, pay these bills for me automatically. And like I said, what's left in my spend account is attached to my debit card and I can spend. And when that money is done, so am I. What's really important too about a budget is 
is the, the savings account. I don't want you to save at your regular bank because it makes it easy to transfer. We've all been there at Target, right? And been like, oh man, like I really want whatever this thing is, this blender, this dress, this shirt. And you look at check-in, you know damn well you ain't got no money in check-in. But you know who got money though? Savings. <laughs> and then you're in line making that transfer like and happy about it too, like making a transfer. Even though you're like, that was supposed to be for Paris. You're like, Paris can wait. She sure can't. Make that transfer, and you're like, dang, later. You're like, this is why I don't ever go nowhere, because I'm always at Target to buy toilet tissue, and then I leave with $300 worth of stuff. If you put your savings in an online-only savings account, though, then you're going to have to wait at least 24 to 72 hours for your savings at your online-only savings account to transfer back to your checking, to your, to your, uh, your spend account. And so what that means is it makes your money inconvenient and inconvenient money gets saved. So I like this website called magnifymoney.com to look for an online only savings account because they grade uh, savings accounts from A to F. So you're going to look for an A account. That's one. Two, you're going to look for an account that's FDIC insured. That's two. Three, you're going to look for an account that's going to give the highest interest rate because your your big bank is not going to give you much of an interest rate. So um, online-only savings accounts don't have um, as much overhead, so they pass that on to you and you earn a higher interest. And then four, you're going to look for a bank that has um, low deposit requirement. So that means in order to open up the bank account, maybe you have to, you have to put in a dollar. And also, two, in order to maintain and get that interest, you don't want them to say you have to have $10,000 in the bank account in order for you to earn um, the interest that they've advertised. So those are the four components you're going to look for in your online savings account. So I hate to say like, oh, 20% here, 30% there. Unless you have an irregular income, you don't have to live by percentages. You, you would live by amounts. So $100 here, $300 there. $400 here. That's what you're, that's the split that you should be doing regularly every month. If your money it, uh, fluctuates because you have an irregular income, then you would might say, you know, uh, 40% goes into my bills. Um, you know, 5% goes into spending. Um, but you have to work backwards. Like how much are your bills? Unless you're starting from scratch and you're 21, you're just moving out that you can force your bills to fit within that percentage. But it's easy for people to say, Oh, 70, 30, 40. Yeah, but like, so what are your bills actually though? Your bills might be 70% of your income right now, you know? So mm. if that's so, you have to pay your bills and you're, I'm not worried about the percentage just now. Like how much do you actually need to pay bills? Put that in the bills account. Okay. How much ideally do you want to save once those bills are paid? I want to save a hundred dollars a month. Well, make that a bill. Now that hundred dollars a month is automatically put into that savings account directly from your job. And then what's left over, like I said, is your spending money. You know, you might tell yourself, I'm going to give myself $50 um, every two weeks for spending. Okay, great. And for whatever reason, if there's not enough money that you take care of bills, you say, I guess I can't save this month. And I guess I can't, um, I don't have spending, spending uh, money this month for like, you know, spending money for things that are like, you know, like hair, nails, grooming, this and that, you know? Yeah. So sometimes you don't have it and that's okay. So there are times when I didn't have it. But I had to pay bills. And even sometimes I didn't have enough for bills. And I had to say, well, I have to pay my noodle budget bills, my essential bills. Verizon can wait. Verizon is not going to shoot you if you don't pay. Yes, will affect your credit score. But credit scores are things that you can you can, you can can increase later. I'd much rather you take care of things that are going to make you happy. I mean, healthy and safe. I, so, I was just thinking about that. Because one, one of the things, the powerful things you talk about is identifying ifs. Like, we can have anything we want if we just identify our ifs and... 
control them so that we can budget, right? Like, so if um, I want to save $400, maybe I don't uh, go to the barbershop twice a week, right? So can you talk about the importance of identifying the ifs and how they can translate to having more money in your budget? Absolutely. There are four questions you should ask yourself before you spend any money. Do I need it? Do I love it? Do I like it? Do I want it? Need it? Love it? Like it? Want it? Need it? Love it? Like it? Want it? We need Swiss on that. Right. Um, so your needs come first. That's food, shelter, clothing, water, the absolute necessities you must have to stay healthy and safe. You pay for those first. Most of us adhere to that. That's why you're alive. Then your loves are those things that enhance your life. What are things five, 10 years from now that still add value, even though that thing might not be there? Right. So if you had Oprah's bank account, I always tell people, what would you do or do more of? So a lot of people say travel. Maybe they'd start a business. Maybe they go back to school, maybe the philanthropy, whatever that is. So those are your loves. Those are things that give you a long term joy, even when that thing is not physically there. Right. And then your likes are short term joy. So, you know, that's your that's your target run. That's your um, that's that dress that you're like, oh, this is super cute. Um, you know, that might be I don't know, eating out with friends or eating out with friends might be a love because you might be like, yo, I'm such a foodie. Five years from now, I'm remembering that restaurant. So there's no judgment. You get to decide. But likes are short term joy and wants are just things to get. I, I really try to stay away from just frivolous spending, which is what wants are. It doesn't mean I never do it. But it doesn't make sense to trick up your money and wants when you can have more things for loves and, and, and your needs. And so what I try to do is I try to live in the second half, the first half of life, my needs and my loves, because that's an enriched, fulfilled life. So I'm not really a foodie, although my belly would suggest otherwise. <laughs> but right, I'm not really a foodie, but I used to go eat brunch every weekend with my friends. And then one day I was like, why the hell am I going to brunch? I have not been on vacation in like two years. So I stopped going. They're like, yo, Tim, you're so cheap, right? And I'm like, I'm not cheap. It's just that, like, I don't want to spend my money on brunch anymore. I don't want to spend $30 a week eating brunch. And so I started saving my brunch money that I made it a game. Every time they asked me to go to brunch, I would put, I would transfer $30 to my savings account. And then within a few months, I had enough money. I went for my first solo travel trip. I went to Albuquerque, New Mexico, because I had on my bucket list, I wanted to ride in a hot air balloon. In Albuquerque, New Mexico is the hot air balloon capital of the world. Who knew? Now you do. That's a fact. And, right? And so I was like, okay. So I remember my friend called me, um, Tawana. She was like, hey, girl, we're about to have, we're going to have brunch tomorrow. But I know you and your cheap behind. You ain't going. I was like, because I was like slight flex. Well, actually major flex. I was like, oh, girl, I'm about to get in a hot air balloon. The captain said I got to turn off my phone. Can I call you later? <laughs> she was like, I had an air balloon in Newark. I'm like, no, girl. New Mexico. <laughs> That's what I do with my brunch money. Mic drop. So, okay. So now I don't. I stop telling my friends. I don't say. I don't say no to brunch. I'll tell them like, ah, nah, girl, I can't go right now because I'm saying yes to Paris. Hmm. I'm saying yes to Istanbul. I'm saying yes to Santorini. These are places I've been. I'm saying yes to Morocco. And so I started to decide for myself what my needs and my loves were. So I'm not against spending money. I'm against spending money on things that don't matter to you. Prioritize what your more is. Like some of us are spending our whole life spending money on someone else's idea of more. Tawana is a foodie, not me. That's her more. That's less for me. You know, let her eat out with another foodie or she can come to my house and chill out for free. And so that's really how you start to prioritize, just to ask yourself, like, what does more of a life truly mean? You know, for me, I don't want any, you know, your spending should be reflective of your values and how you want your life to go. So you said something uh, with the online savings. That was a good point. I tell people that all the time, like, you got to treat your savings like a bill. 
like how mm-hmm. you have your bill, your car bill, like you can't afford to not pay your car bill. You can't afford to not pay your cell phone bill. So savings, like you said, no matter how much it is, it should be a line item in a bill, yep. I think. Um, but I wanted to touch on, I had a few questions. So first, when you had mentioned with your husband, with HR, so I didn't even know that was possible. So somebody's paycheck can be split into different um, bank accounts for direct deposit? Up to, typically up to four. So most midsize, so like even my company, I don't have some huge company, but we're able to do that. So typically up to four splits. And so if you're, if you're a single, ready to mingle, um, <laughs> I would say your bills account, um, a like and and your savings account and your spending account. So I would do the three, right? Um, so, but if you are um, in a relationship where you're like sharing expenses, then I would have four. I believe that you should have some autonomy over your finances as well as responsibility because you're with someone. So that would be a personal savings, each person, a joint savings, um, a and joint bills. And, um, and, and, and then your own spending account. So two checking, two savings. So one of the checking, one of the savings is yours and the other checking, the other savings is someone else's. I mean, well, belongs to co- collectively to the whole. Um, and, and all, so, all you, to, all you have to do is just go to HR and it's like a form, like the regular mm-hmm. direct deposit form that you fill out, but it's just like, you can just add different bank accounts to it. Yes. And tell them this is the amount. Like, like, you know, my check is. $5,000, you know, let's just say a pay period, a thousand goes here, a thousand goes here, a thousand goes here. And so now like the other day, cause my, cause because it's online only savings, we don't look at it all the time. My husband is like, yo, babe, I got mad money in my savings. I'm like, okay, you're welcome. <laughs> I upgrade. Right. And so, <laughs> but he was like, yo, I never had this much saved because he doesn't think about it. It's been like the last two or three years that money will just land. So my husband is the type Maybe this is all men with your boys. So, you know, your boys be like, yo, yo, you can let me hold $30. You can let me, you know? And so he would always be like, yo, babe, such and such is, you know, such and such is struggling. Can we? And I'd be like, who? Tone. I don't even like tone. Right? But like, ah, you know, so now, because so we would have to be talking back and forth to take money out of our, our joint pot. So now there's none of that. Because one, you have your own allowance money. You have your own savings. You want to give tone all your savings. That's how you want to live your life? Go ahead. You know, just don't so, touch this joint account. Exactly. <laughs> so, I was like, I'm looking at the um the joint savings and the doorbell. I was like, oh, okay. I, long as I don't see no tone bill in that. So it, it, it allows you, you know, so everyone to feel like you're part of this community where you're all contributing, but it allows you to have autonomy. Like he can do whatever he wants with, well, not whatever he wants, but you know what I mean? Like with his money, he can decide. And so I think that works best for um if you're in a, a significant a relationship with someone. And another thing, uh, the last question. So the online savings, like I said, I have, I, I believe the same thing you said as far as it's good to have it not with the bank. Like I chase, I have Chase for my business and my personal bank account, but I have Capital One, my online savings. And um, yeah, the reason is that it's not, it's a whole hassle to get the money. You got to wait like three days. So psychologically, it's like out of sight, out of mind. When you, when you, when I log on the Chase app, I don't see it. I even forget about it. I was just thinking about it just now. Like I forgot about, I haven't, I forgot about it. I haven't really been, you know what I'm saying? So, but what, do you have any top, banks that you're recommending like or like interest rates that we should be because I, I, I forget what my interest rate is i know it's slightly higher like you said because online banks don't have the same brick and mortar expenses as mm-hmm. regular traditional banks do so it's always good to have an online bank um for the higher interest rate but are there any ones that in particular right now that's paying higher interest rates than others um there was so here's the thing like one i'm like these banks don't pay my bills <laughs> people always like no but honestly so the reason why i tell people like i i'm currently with ally bank a-l-l-y 
right? But here's the thing. Ally Bank, back in the day, they had the best, um, they had the best interest rate. They don't anymore. Um, their interest rate is okay. I think last time I checked, it was like well, 1.5%. But there are banks out there. There was a credit union when I looked at Magnify Money the other day that was given 2%. So I definitely say... Go for the bank that's giving the highest interest rate. There's also um, Goldman Sachs has a uh, has a bank account called like Marcus by Goldman Sachs. You know, yeah. that's another one. Um, so, you know, I say that there isn't a, a best bank. If the bank is FDIC insured and they're paying you the highest interest rate, that's the best bank. Um, like I said, I like Ally, but I'm only there now because I signed up with them originally. But best believe, go with the coins. Are you you already got to be loyal to your um, bank? They're not loyal to you. Yeah. Go you know, go with who's ever giving you them coins. Yeah. One of the things you said about having a joint account, you know, I can attest to, I think it's a great idea, especially for married couples. Um, I heard you preach about uh, preparing to invest, right? So if you have that joint account, what is something that couples could think about investing? So this is great. So people ask me like, here's the steps to preparing to invest. So you don't have to wait to invest for retirement. So to be clear, when I say retirement is an investment, the purpose of retirement is not so you're, going, you're not going to live on no private island in retirement unless you're living on a private island now. Retirement is so you can maintain your current lifestyle. If you set aside 12 to 15% of your income now, your gross income now, and that's all you ever do, what that will enable you to do is maintain your current lifestyle. So if you don't see palm trees next to you now, you ain't going to see palm trees when you're 80, right? So then, so you do that first and foremost because you must set aside for your future self. And it's your younger self's job to look after your future self. So that comes first. Then after you're doing that, then you have to have a budget, right? You have to have some sort of physical plan of what your money is doing. This much is going to bills, this much is going to spending, something. So that's step two. Do you have a budget? Check before people say, oh, I want to invest. I'm like, slow down. Slow down, son, you killing them. Who filling them with octane? You didn't know I had bars, right? So, so that's two. Do you have a budget? Great. Now, step number three, right? Do you have savings? Right. So are, do you have emergency savings at minimum, minimum, minimum during the recession? I say six months during a non-recession. I say at least three months, three months of your noodle budget, meaning do you have three months of your essential bills saved? Because we already talked about if you were to lose your job, you're going to drop down and get your noodle on. You're not going to be living at the same. You're not going to be living at your three thousand dollar budget. You're going to be living at your twenty five hundred dollar budget. So do you have at least three months of your noodle budget saved? That's important because that is going to help you if times get rough and tough. Do you have that? Great. Then number four, do you have high interest um, debt? Meaning how are you going to invest when you owe Visa at 18, 19, 25, 30 percent? Do you think you're going to get a return of 15, 13, you know, 30%? No. On average, the market yields about 7 to 8% a year. So what that means is you put your money in the market, on average, you're going to get back $0.08, cents, let's just say. But because you have credit card debt, you're losing $0.18 cents a month or year. So you make it eight cents and lose it 18 cents. The best thing you can do is pay off the credit card debt, the high interest credit card debt, because you're losing more than you're likely to gain in the market. So before you start investing, you and your boo, like get rid of that high interest credit card debt first and foremost. So that's four. So now you've done all those four things. You feeling cute. Okay. You feeling spicy. Now we can leap into investing for wealth. So investing for wealth, 
if you are a couple, um, if you don't know how to do nothing else, like, you know, some most people are like, they're not really willing to do like, everybody wants to like trade options. They don't even know what that is. They want to, you know, they, everybody <laughs> wants to buy stock. Then you bought Delta. How's that working out for you right now? How's Delta doing? <laughs> it's doing terrible. I can tell you because I have Delta. <laughs> and so most people want to do that. But truth is, most people are not willing to do the work for investing. That's okay. So this is what I tell people. That instead, you can invest in a, um, a mutual fund. Uh, I prefer target date funds because it's like super, super um, handholdy. A target date fund is a mutual fund that you pick the target date, the date you want to pull out that money. So typically, uh, most target date funds are, are the date that you want to pull out that money typically is the date that you want to retire. Um, so you might say 2050, 2045, 2035, they're usually five years apart. So you're going to pick a mutual fund. That's a target date fund, right? A, a mutual fund, just so you know, for those listening, I'm sure you know, but you never know. It's a collection of, of investments. Um, I like mutual funds that tend to be index funds. So they follow a particular index like the S and P 500, which is basically like the market. So that means you're invested in a mutual fund. That's an index fund. And it follows the market and your money. The, the reason why I like target date funds is that it rebalances like a true investor knows that they have to shift based upon how life, like where they are in life. Most people don't do that. So a target date fund does it for you. A target date fund says you pick the target date of 2050. It is now 2020. We have 30 years. We got time. So we, the target date fund is going to be in, uh, uh, invested more aggressively because you have 30 years. The closer you get to 2050, the more conservative automatically your investment is going to be invested because the target date fund is aware up oh, 2050 is coming up. So the closer we get, if it's 2049, then you're super, you might be invested in, in all cash accounts and, and, and bonds, super, super conservative investments, right? So you don't have to do anything else. You can buy a mutual fund that that's that's um that follows an index fund, like I said, the S and P 500. Um, typically, you can you can follow you look for a mutual fund that's that's called a total market fund, meaning that your fund mimics a particular market, like I said, the S and P 500. So when the when the market goes up, your money goes up. When the market goes down, your money goes down. But we like we like I mentioned before, on average, the market yields about seven to eight percent. A year, so you will, you will over the over the next thirty years, you're gonna see about a seven eight percent gain, which is great. You know, even like that's for people who are like, I don't want to do nothing else. Like, and so when you're looking for a um a target date fund or a mutual fund, you're looking for something called the expense ratio, and that is the fee that that fund is charging you, um, the percentage of the money that you have invested with that fund. And so right now, like a Vanguard, they have one of the lowest expense ratios. So um, the brokerage accounts that have mutual funds and, and um, target date funds and these total market funds are like Vanguard, Fidelity, Charles Schwab. So you're going to Google expense ratio for, for Fidelity, expense ratio for Charles Schwab. I think like right now, it's like the target date fund for um, a total market target date fund for um, Vanguard right now is like 0.06%, which is great, right? Not even 0.006%, which is like something ridiculous, like a piece of a piece of a piece of a piece of a penny. Um, and so that's great because the average financial advisor is going to charge you 1%. Of, of the assets of your of your money that they've invested. So the financial advisor is going to charge you 1%. Vanguard is going to charge you um, a piece of a piece of a piece of 1%. So you get to keep more of your money. These are the biggest hindrance to earning money. You know, I'm not anti-financial advisor, but 
you're spending a lot of money sometimes for, for them to do automatically what some of these automatic funds can do. Unless you have other things your financial advisor is doing for you, if they're just investing your money, bruh, sis, just put it in a um in a target date fund and let the fund automatically balance for you and you can keep most of your money. So if you're investing with your significant other, what I love is that you can literally say, hey, Vanguard, you want to open up a, um, a mutual fund? would prefer a target date fund that's invested in the index. So do you have, like, I know Vanguard literally has one called their total market fund. Oh, you have a total market fund? Okay, open it up. We're going to be putting $200 a month. Just, you can have that transferred automatically from your savings account. Transfer your 200 bucks a month because you already have your three months of savings. Transfer your 300 bucks a month or 200 bucks a month into that account and let it grow. You kind of set it and semi-forget it. So that's like the easiest possible way to start investing. If you do that, you will be better off than 99 for nine point most people. Um, and just keep it really simple. I think investing should be really simple unless like you really are interested in learning how to buy individual stocks. But you have to, when it comes to investing, like in the traditional sense and like the market, Keep it simple. And then you can also invest by starting a business. You can invest by writing a book. There's other ways to invest. Um, you can invest by real estate. Like I do all those things. I, I have residual investments where I have books that pay me a few thousand dollars a month from books I've written years ago. I have a business that, you know, that's an investment as well. I put money into that business and it yields money back. Um, I also have real estate. You know, even in your primary, your primary residence, you have to think about that as an investment and you have to understand that the key with investing is you should make money on the buy, not necessarily the sell. So meaning this is that if you always make sure you make money on the buy, you never lose when it's time to sell. So bought this house I'm living in now, cash, slight flex, <laughs> but it was a foreclosure. So it was worth at the time, maybe 320 because it was kind of like a little bit beat up and we bought it for 180 so we made money on a buy even if nothing else we didn't fix it up we're like you know we tired we ran out of money to fix it up we bought it for 180 a house that's worth 320 so we made money on the buy no matter what so even now they're talking about the market is going to drop i'm not worried about it it would have to drop a whole hell of a lot for a house worth 320 to drop down to 180 yeah. you know gotta have and the so wind built in Exactly. So we so then we then we renovated the place. So now I just got the house appraised. We renovated it. The house is now worth um three ninety. So it's like even if we never renovated it, we was gonna win. So same thing with stocks, you know, that like you you make money on the buy, you know, um, um not necessarily like um you don't wanna have to wait for the sell, but not enough people do that. They wanna jump into the market right now because you know, your your um neighbor is like, Oh, I bought um Oh, you're not in beyond me? Uh, oh, you don't do Bitcoin? Meanwhile, you don't know nothing about what they're talking about. Don't jump in and lose your money. Like, if you're not willing to do the research, you're going to be broke. Get you an index fund, you know, invest in things that you're willing to do the research on or invest in semi-automated, super simple investments, and you'll be fine. You don't have to have the – your investments should honestly largely be boring. You don't have to have the, the hottest stock. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.